The following podcast is a presentation of the PTB Media Network. What's up, PTB Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Park in the Bus Soccer Podcast here on the PTB Podcast Network, a part of PTB Media. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustino, and I am here with you on another Sunday night, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, as always, for the Park in the Bus podcast. We've got a ton of stuff to talk about this week, as we do every week, because the football world does not stop. It is always football season somewhere in the world. And right now in Europe, they're getting ready to close the 2020, sorry, the 2019-2020 season. They've been at it for a long, long time. It's been going for over a year now. But finally, European football has its curtains uh, ready as it has its finale coming up. It's two single elimination tournaments featuring eight teams. That's right. It is the Europa League and the Champions League in an Elite Eight format ready to kick off this week. In the show this, in the show this week, we'll look back at the play-in matches, if you will, uh, the finishing touches on the round of 16 that occurred in the past couple days to get us ready for this this conclusion to the Euro- very long European season. Also, this past week, we had the semifinals of MLS is back, and we now know our finalists. We'll talk about it in the next episode. I'm sorry, in the next segment with Leo. He'll be here again from DGENs United for the Sunday Night Sportsbook. That'll be uh, on in just a moment with you. But let's review the results from the semifinals first. On Wednesday, August the 5th, this past Wednesday, Portland Timbers 2-1 winners over Philadelphia Union. Goals by Ibo Bise and Blanco for Portland while Andrew Wooten pulled one back for the Union in the 85th, but that was as close as they could get the next night. It was the home side, if you will. Orlando City SC 3, Minnesota United FC 1. The Lions were paced by a double from former Portugal international, former Manchester United star Nani with his two goals in the 36th and 42nd minute. Uh, Minnesota United pulled one back from Toye in the 83rd minute, but then Benji Michel settled the match and punched Orlando City's ticket to the final. The final is coming up this coming Tuesday. It will be the next edition of the PTB Match of the Week. So this week you'll be hearing from me on last week's promotion final, and next week I'll be reviewing this 
uh, MLS is a back final. Also this week, we kicked off the Serie B promotion playoffs. That's right, Serie B getting ready to punch its final team into the promotion seat to go up to Serie A. It got kicked off earlier this week with preliminary round matches. These were one-off playoff matches, so preliminary round. First match was August the 4th, and it was Chievo-Verona at home. 1-1 after extra time against Empoli. Now, under rules for these playoffs, because it ended 1-1 after extra time, the team that finished the league in a higher position, which in this case was Empoli, Excuse me, in this case it was Chievo-Verona who finished 5th uh, as opposed to Empoli who were 6th. Chievo move on to the semifinals by virtue of having finished higher in the table. I like that rule. Instead of it coming down to a penalty shootout for a team's future, you reward the work of the entire season versus the luck of a 10-minute a shootout. The next day, August the 5th, it was the other preliminary round match. And it was Cittadella at home to Francinone. Cittadella 2, Francinone 3, also after extra time. So Francinone advance. Cittadella are left behind playing at home even. So we get to the semifinals. And leg one of the first semifinal was played August the 8th. It was Chievo-Verona again, this time 2-0 winners over Spezia. They'll go to the second leg with that 2-0 advantage. While leg one in the other semifinal, it was Francinone playing at home, but losing 1-0 at home to Portenone. Uh, Pordenone, excuse me, and Pordenone will go home now with a 1-0 advantage and an away goal. Of course, I shouldn't say away goal because, like we said, rules are still the same. If the match is tied on aggregate, uh, there will be an extra time. And if it's still tied after extra time, the team that finished higher in the table will advance, which in this case is Pordenone. Leg 2 will begin on August the 11th for Chievo and Spezia, while Frosinone and Pordenone will play on the 12th of August. And still to come in this seventh episode of Parking the Bus, we got a lot to cover. We're going to travel to Mexico for an update on Liga Emekis. Brazil kicks off their Brasileirão 2020 season, and we check in in Australia for their A-League as they are getting close to the conclusion and getting fired up for the championship playoffs. But up next, we're going to go to the Sunday Night Sportsbook with DGN's United's Leo Kukakis, he is here once again, and Leo's got some thoughts, and we're going to talk about the EFL Championship Promotion Playoff Final earlier this past week. We're also going to talk about Champions League and Europa League matches that just concluded yesterday, and we're going to preview what's coming up the rest of the week here in the football world. So don't move a muscle. This is the Park in the Bus podcast. You're listening to it here on the PTB Podcast Network. I am the Mr. Mike Agustino, and you can follow the PTB Podcast Network on Twitter at Soccer PTB. So that's on Twitter at Soccer PTB. Check it out. We do update uh, a lot of our content there. And we will be right back with Leo. And we will be at the Sportsbook talking some betting. Welcome back to the PTB Soccer Podcast here, your Sunday night home for soccer talk. And it's now time to go to 
the Sunday Night Sportsbook with our resident DJ, Leo Kukakis. Leo, welcome back to the Parking the Bus podcast. What's up, Capitano? How we doing, everybody? It is a beautiful Sunday to be alive. It sure is. It sure is. How did you enjoy uh, the matches this week? A lot of fun. A lot of matches. It's kind of sad, though, now that things are kind of winding down. Um, all there really is now is the Chinese Super League. Yeah, we got we got we got some European competition still to go. So oh, yeah, yeah, we got yeah, some knockout matches. But yeah, league wise, Chinese Super League, uh Australian A League, which I'm starting to cover on this show as it's getting to its playoffs. Uh I believe it's the fourteenth of August is the first day of the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. Um they do a real weird playoff format, uh, a cricket style with a with a final and then a grand final. It's 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 out there, it's bizarre. <laughs> okay. Um, how did you enjoy? Let's start in our favorite league, the EFL Championship. How'd you like that promotion final? I loved as much as I was able to watch. <laughs> For, so midway through, um, that's what was right, it, about that's the right. 90th minute, it was the electricity the goes out. And, and luckily I have you, my friend, that calls me and he FaceTimes me so I can watch <laughs> the end of the game. I literally, guys, put my phone up to my computer screen so that he could, <laughs> so he could see what was going on. My girlfriend was thrilled. She was overjoyed. She she realized that she needs a friend like you in her life. Hey, that's what I'm here for. That's what I'm here for. That's why you call me the Capitano, right? That's right. That's right, buddy. So but it's yeah, Fulham. Yeah, it's Fulham going on to the Premier League. The Premier League lineup now is, is complete. We got all 20 teams for next season, and it is Fulham returning one year later. What do you think their odds are this time? Are they staying up, or is, this, is Fulham going to be back in the championship? This so time right now they're currently listed around minus 155 to go back down. Mm-hmm. Um, they're the favorites to be relegated next year for obvious reasons. Wait, that's um, normal with, with the playoff winner. Yeah, the only team that um, – the only team that's going to get promoted that isn't in that top five is Leeds. Yeah. Leeds actually has a huge price to go back down at plus 450. So people are kind of expecting them to maybe be mid-table, maybe even make a little bit more of a jump up to the upper table. Yeah, I think a lot of people are comparing Leeds to Wolves from two seasons ago. They're seeing that – they're expecting that same kind of success rate once they get up. Yep. Yep, yep. So the man of the match, our left back, Joe Bryan. Did you see that coming? What a stupid goal. I mean, everybody's going crazy about it. You went crazy about it, too. And I, I rewatched it, and I go, why is anybody giving this guy credit? What about the goalie, you idiot? He froze the keeper like they say in ice hockey. What is the matter with you? I literally watched it like five times. Like, no, I have to be missing something. This was that. Was there a lot of bend on I watched and the guy. Honestly, honestly that's, that's the most I've ever seen a keeper cheat on a cross. Like, he literally didn't even believe that the ball was going anywhere else as he watched it go into the goal. Do you think that Joe Bryan did that on purpose? Because I'm not overly convinced. A lot of people do. I, I mean, yeah, maybe, but, like, he could have easily just mishit it. It's like one of those shots that you just kind of throw up in basketball when you're just, like, messing around. And you're like, yeah, I meant to do that. Like, I'll tell you one thing, Leo. My senior year in high school, we were playing a local powerhouse, Algonquin Regional, right? First game of the season, night game. I had a goal sort of like that, except mine was right-footed, but from almost at the touchline. And everyone and their mother thought I was crossing it. And maybe I was, maybe I wasn't. That's for me to know and everybody else to assume. It's been almost 20 years. I still, I still claim that I shot that. Th- that thing went 
in the air, right? And I could see. Now, my dad's my head coach. I can see at the bench, and he's already thrown his arms down. Like, what What did you do with that for, you know? <laughs> I can see the fans watching it. They're like, their eyes are up in the air. And all of a sudden, that thing takes a nosedive into the top corner. Oh, phenomenal. And for 20 years, I've played it off like it's exactly what I meant to do. Exactly and only I know if, if I meant to do it or not. That's right. And you know what? Even we all know the truth, Capitano. <laughs> that being said, in your position, deny, deny, deny. deny. Exactly. Meant to do it. Exactly. It's my <laughs> claim to fame. <laughs> so, oh, man. Brentford. Let's talk about Brentford for a second. The heartbreak this year that was Brentford's last month of the season. They were like basically assured of going up with three matches to go. They put Brutal. themselves in a situation where it's a one winner take all playoff, and you know extra time is what it is, and they find themselves on the wrong side of the result. You know, I thought I thought the way that that game was going, and then the second that uh, Mitrovic wasn't in the starting lineup, mm-hmm. I said to myself, "Boy, did Fulham just cost themselves a chance?" Especially the way they came back against Swansea too with that three-one performance. Sure, you expect the momentum to be carrying them into this match. A little bit, yeah, yeah. and especially without Mitrovic, like I mm-hmm. can't. I can't understate how big of a player Mitrovic is for Fulham. It just are you oh, man? They couldn't score a goal um, for for us and for our podcast. It worked out great, yeah. but um, you know there was definitely some heartbreak there for um, heartbreak for him. Yeah, and I mean now the talk over overseas, you know, across the pond. I've listened to like BBC, BBC Five and uh, uh, Talk Sport, things like that. They're talking about. Brentford's going to have a hard time keeping this team together. These players, there's Premier League clubs looking at some of these players ready to yep. snatch them up. It may not be so easy for Brentford to be back in this spot next year. Just brutal, man. This was their chance. They blew it. I mean, it's that simple now. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows? Like they said, you lose a couple key players, you're not coming back. You're not going to. That's a really, really tough league to get promoted in. Absolutely. And who do you think of the three teams being dropped from the premiership? Who's best suited to come back up? Um, Is it Bournemouth for you? Bournemouth, Norwich, and who's the third team? Watford. Watford. Um, Norwich has made a living of going up and down for the last 20 years. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I kind of lean toward Norwich, though. I mean, yeah. I'm not a huge Bournemouth guy. They're going to lose Josh King. Uh, probably lose Colin Wilson over the summer as well. Eddie Howe's uh, gone, Frazier. the manager. Yep, Eddie Howe's gone. I, I felt like they were overshooting for years. I felt like it was it's just kind of Yeah, you might not be wrong about that. Yeah, so, I mean, the team that's kind of built more, it really depends on who stays, who goes. Like, I look at Watford and say, yeah, okay, still have De La Feu, still have Troy Deeney, still have plenty. Um, Ismail Sar is going to be gone, mm-hmm. though. I was reading rumors about him. So, I mean, out of the three, probably Norwich, if they can keep Pookie and, um, you know, keep their left backs and right backs. Also, heard that um, Liverpool was aiming for the left back on Norwich. Didn't end up getting him. So, they end up going to sign Simaki from Greece. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> what club was he up. at in Greece? Yeah, the one that we don't like to talk about. We, well, unfortunately, that's where we're going next. <laughs> Europa League. Well, let's let's start with Wolves and Olympiacos since you don't want to mention that club. Well, I won't even make you say that name. Um, what do you think of that match? Just so sad that they're out. You know, such an upstanding. Team. Oh, I I know you're your crush. Such an easy team to root for. <laughs> I'm so happy Wolves knocked them out. Oh, it was glorious. It was triumphant. Day. Oh, it was great. What do you think um, of the penalty call? 
I thought it was the right call. I thought it was too. I'm a little partial to Wolves. Everyone um, who follows me knows I I have a little sweet spot for them for for some obvious reasons. They're basically the Portuguese national team in a a club competition, but... um, yeah, and it was a former former Olympiacos player, Daniel Pudence, gets taken down for that penalty. I know. I know. <laughs> and then, of course, a so striker much. I'm very familiar with, Raul Jimenez, uh, finishes calmly in that penalty just, kick. Just beautiful. Just be- and the fact that VAR went against them, too. Well, oh. that was where I was going next, the VAR oh, call. Was that so on beautiful. Al- Ara- was it El Arabi that was offside, or was that, uh, was that Valbuena? I don't remember anymore. I think it was El Arabi. Yeah, I think you're right. I think on the uh, Europa League review show, I said it was Valbuena, but I believe it was El Arabi. Just so much joy in my heart watching those guys lose. Uh, for those of you that don't really follow it, it's as if Benfica watched Porto lose. It oh, was, yeah, that's beautiful. always uh, – listen, I have a, a whole bag of scarves over there of teams that have knocked Porto out of Europe the last 10 years. I've got a Malaga. I've got <laughs> I've got, a, I got Wolfsburg. I've got them all. <laughs> if you knock Porto out, I go buy your scarf. That's just the that's just the rule. <laughs> yeah, I was I was really annoyed though because that game was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, it was, and it could have very if you know if that goal stands, it's one one any anybody's game at that point. Actually, you'd have to. Uh, it would have been a, a tough situation for Wolves with so much time left, knowing right. they can't give up another away goal. Right. Yeah, but I'm, I'm glad the way it played out. Bye bye. <laughs> so Wolves have their hands full now. They got probably the toughest draw going forward because now they're going to play Sevilla. And Sevilla took care of Roma pretty easily. A little bit disappointing from, uh, I think, the effort from the, the Italian side, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but to be fair, Sevilla have been so good since mm-hmm. coming out of the restart. Yeah, uh, We didn't really mention them last week. We did mention how Wolves were one of my favorite teams to get uh, sure. to win the whole thing, yeah. plus 650, but... Sevilla is another team. This is this is really really good team. Uh, they have one of the most underrated players that's been absolutely on fire since the restart, and Lucas Ocampos. That dude just cannot stop scoring. He cannot stop creating goals. One of my favorite players in Europe right now. Um, so I mean, Wolves is gonna have their hands full. They're gonna need everybody to kind of come together. Uh, it's gonna be a huge huge game. But I I still kind of like Wolves to get out of it. But it wouldn't shock me at all. If Ocampos comes out and scores a hat trick. And if Wolves do survive this test on Tuesday with Sevilla, they likely have Manchester United right right after that. Because <laughs> Manchester yeah. United taking on Copenhagen in the next round. Yeah, that's going to be a phenomenal final. Um, final or semifinal? It'll be a semifinal. Semifinal, sorry. Uh, yeah, that's that's another one. These teams have already met a couple times this year. They uh, mm. They played after the restart, correct? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, you've already played in front of an empty stadium. You're used to the conditions now. They also on played the in the FA Wolves. Cup this year, so they've got they've got ex, an extra mm-hmm. match. They've played, I believe, three times already this season. This would be a fourth matchup between these two. Yeah, I'm absolutely giving the nod, uh, the nudge there to Wolves, though. Are you? Because okay. Manchester United don't really need it. Did you yeah, see you're Manchester's... right. You you make a good point. I mean, this they said on BBC Five that. Uh, you know, Wolves' season will be a minimum 384 days when they take the pitch on Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> which is a, a long season. But they're playing – they have everything to play for. This is all – you know, their entire right. uh, season next year relies on on uh, winning this Europa League and getting into the Champions League. It's Champions League or nothing for them now in the, at this situation. Whereas right. United already in Champions League play. So you, you're right. It could be that they're just more motivated and they – find a way to get through 
More importantly, Champions League may be their only way to hold on to Adama Traore, too. Oh, yeah, and Raul Jimenez. Yep. Yeah, Traore yeah. and Jimenez probably gone regardless, but if they have any type of chance, they don't. They go they into Champions League, League, they can probably convince them to stay. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. So because I, I believe, believe as Europa League winners, they go straight into the group phase too. They don't have to play in one of the playoff right. rounds. Yep. Uh, also in this in this competition, we got Inter beating Hetafe. Uh, Inter, one of the other favorites. What do you think about Inter's chances? I'm a huge fan of Inter. I love Inter's chances in this one. Um, especially the key for me is that Laturo Martinez has to be in there. Mm-hmm. Laturo, if Laturo Martinez is in there. Inter have as good a chance as any. I oh, love yeah. the I love the back how they have it set up with Handovic, another really really quality goalie, Real mm-hmm. Skinar, um, Diego Godin. Mm-hmm. That's a really really underrated team. I'm kind of surprised though. Christian Eriksen's kind of taken on the role of a superstar. Yeah, he's been coming off the bench. I, he did. He came off the bench the, this past round. Um, formidable attack though with with Latoro Martinez and uh, Romelu yeah. Lukaku teaming up up top. Mm-hmm. And you know who else has been really good? The Ambrosio. Yeah. That dude just keeps popping up in random places. Yeah. I watched the game against Atalanta, the game before that. Every game I watch with this dude, he pops up in the right place and he creates a goal. And I think because Sevilla, uh, Wolves, and United are on the other side of the bracket, you have to fancy Inter to get to the final at this point. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And you know what? You know, Antonio Conte, when it comes to the final, he's going to pack stuff in. He's yeah. going to be ready to go. Yeah. Um, you know, we kind of talked last week how Atletico Madrid are kind of set up for the Champions League, mm-hmm. um, their style of play, similar situation with, with Inter. Inter. Um, yeah, yeah a, one game, a one game single elimination tournament suits them, certainly. Yep. All right, we're going to move to the Champions League now. Um, we've got some, some heavy hitters are gone. I see you smiling. You're a, you're a Man City yeah. fan. You don't have to you don't have to hide it. Uh, let's start there. Let's start there. What you tell me? What your first reactions were of Man City when Pep released the team sheet? Jesus Christ! What are we doing? What are we doing, Pep? Pep, what are you doing to me, dude? And what I did mean, I remind you? What did I remind you of as soon as you said that? That I said the same thing before the first leg. Yeah, <laughs> back in February. That? First leg, I was yelling at you literally all day. I was so You mad. were. You were pissed. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, all year we're waiting for Phil Foden. We've played roughly 10, what, 10, 11 useless games. No much, Phil yeah. Foden. Minimum Phil Foden coming off the bench. Today, the biggest game of the year. Ah, throw the kid in there. Let's see what he's got. <laughs> Not just that, but we don't even start him on the wing. We, nope. start Gabriel, uh, we start Gabriel on the wing. We put Phil Foden in the middle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> but well, it all worked out. How about, how about uh, Real Madrid's back line there? Varane giving a couple gifts away there. Jesus, you man. know what I said? I literally texted my father when that happened, and I said, I thought this stuff only happens to Benfica. <laughs> the first goal. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for settling my nerves a little bit. Yeah. I was very, very nervous. I was mentally preparing all day to lose. I saw no Bernardo Silva in the lineup, yeah. and I said, oh, boy, here we go. But thankfully, Rafa Varane, uh, I really appreciate it. I don't know who paid you, dude, but I appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> so we'll move on to another big result, bit of a shock result, although the first leg had them set up well for it. It is Olympic Lyon moving on, knocking out La Vecchia Signora, locking out, uh, knocking out uh, Juventus, and Maurizio Sarri gets sacked. Yeah. Crazy stuff. I mean, if you listen to our podcast, DJs United, I was all over Leon in that game. Yeah. I love the way that they played against Paris, and I said they're going to be did set you up. Have, did you have Leon to advance or to win? 
Uh, I had Lyon plus one, and then personally, I ended up taking them to advance too. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love Lyon in that matchup. I thought it was really, really interesting. Um, uh, Depay and Debele up top, those guys can be game breakers against yeah, anybody. Yeah, De- Depay's had a good season, and, uh, you know, I saw him earlier in the group stages. And, uh, you know, Anthony Lopes has been good in goal as well, as we mm-hmm. saw in the, the Coupe de la Ligue final with, with PSG. And Leon were just prepared. They were ready. They did what they had to do. And how about Juventus? Ever since Ronaldo has joined Juventus, no one else has scored a goal in the knockout stage of, of the Champions League. Brutal. Brutal it, to watch. You, you can't you expect. Like Ronaldo. Yeah. I, I'm not sure how much validity there is to it, but I was reading a rumor. It could have just been something on Twitter that Ronaldo's already regretting Juventus and wants to go to Paris over the summer. That was that was floating around about a week ago. Or I what I read in, in Portuguese media, he was worded a little differently. It was that he's open to leaving because I know Juventus yeah. is, is a little bit unsure of how they're going to handle that salary now and without, you know, in the COVID era. But yeah. I think by sacking Sarri, they're, they're planning to keep Ronaldo. I mean, I hope so. Otherwise, that'd be a real kick in Pirlo's, uh, Pirlo's call. Oh, yeah, there. that would certainly. So you said the name there, Andrea Pirlo. Rumored or, or is it confirmed, the new it, manager? It is confirmed. Andrea Excellent. Pirlo will be the new, um, the new the, manager of Juventus. I'm excited to see the, that, too. It's really weird for me because, you know, like we're watching Zidane with Real Madrid. Yeah. We're watching um, Frank Lampard with Chelsea and mm-hmm. now Andrea Pirlo. I mean, I don't know why Pirlo wouldn't want to coach NYCFC oh, after his stint there. How but. Can... <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, really. Yeah, that was, that was definitely weird. the memorable part of his career. Why, why mm. wouldn't he want to? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was ripping passes over at Yankee Stadium. It, it, yeah, he was running down the third baseline while, <laughs> while, to take corner kicks, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we really do take every chance to take a shot at the MLS. <laughs> uh, I don't do it on purpose. Hey, I give, we'll get to it, but I give him credit when credit is deserved as well. And so we've got Pirlo taking over at Juventus, okay? Um, we know that Panic is out. He's going to Barcelona. Artur is coming in. Do you think Juventus has enough here to make a run at the Champions League next year, or they got to go to the market and get some more help for Ronaldo to win it? Yeah, no, because that's no. ultimately the that's ultimately what Pirlo is going to be judged on. Nope, nope. Who's yeah, they, their who's their striker outside of Ronaldo? That's a big problem. Yeah, yeah. Gonzalo. <laughs> they had one called Manzukic, but uh, yeah, Iguain. We know how he is in big matches. Oh man. The dude is brutal. They they desperately need another striker. They need something. Yeah. Um, you know that the defense is getting older now with Bonucci and Chiellini. Um, but it seems like in Italy, defenders can play into their forties. Yeah, but they they're still getting older. At some yeah. point, some they uh, they got Matthias Delict in there now. That's one guy. But they do need probably another younger uh, yeah. central defender. And Paulo Dybala has got to stay healthy. Not having him. Uh, able to play from the start, really, I think, did him, did Juventus end in the second leg. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge, huge thing. But I also feel like that kind of separates the huge teams from the pretty big teams. You, you're right. One you're player right. one player is going to derail the entire thing, you know. And For just them, imagine just imagine if Cristiano Ronaldo goes down with an injury. Woo, the team has become so face. centered on him. Yeah. And the idea when he came in was that Juventus were not going to need to be so centered on one player because – they have such a different style, but they're they basically morphed into that te- same kind of team Real Madrid was when he was there. 
No, I don't think Real Madrid was that bad. I thought Real Madrid was pretty all right. I didn't think that they were completely about Ronaldo. This Juventus team is 100% about Ronaldo. Yeah. If it, Ronaldo's not scoring two goals, it's over. They literally look for him wherever he is on the pitch, give him the ball, and then watch. There's a, there's, that's why they've dropped so many points in Serie A down the stretch. Yeah. They, they lose the imagination, lose the creativity, and I, you probably see the Juventus scarf right there. Yep, yep, right there. <laughs> I, I married into a Juventus family, so I, I keep it. It's actually a half and half Benfica <laughs> and Juventus scarf. So I do, but the point is I pay attention to them a little closer than other teams. And I did yeah. see that down the stretch. I mean, they got comfortable. They had a lead. It ended up only being a one-point win in the, in the Serie A this season. Yeah, I, I noticed that too. I actually went back and I looked at it uh, a couple of days ago and I was like, one point, really? And then and I looked at it. It was really, like, yeah. it was Ronaldo scoring mostly from the penalty spot down the stretch. Yeah, I mean, that's one reason I hate golden boot races and stuff. It's like, can we get rid of the penalties from the golden <laughs> it's boot? Like, it's like Michael Jordan winning an NBA scoring title from strictly from the free throw line. <laughs> yeah, it's annoying. It's not that nonsense. <laughs> All right. The other story we got in, in uh, Champions League, all right, Bayern Munich eased through. They, they run right over Chelsea. Stunning yeah. turn of events. Stunning turn of events. Who would have imagined it? They've been nothing but fantastic since the restart. Bayern Munich have been machine-like, very German. So what I'm going to tell you is a lot of people in my world, in the Benfica world especially, given that we're hosting the final, this is what we get excited about. We used to win European competitions. Now we celebrate hosting them. <laughs> but we want to see, I'm going to tell you, most of us want to see Manchester City take on Atletico Madrid in the final because we want to see our two golden boys, if you will. We want to see Bernardo Silva take on John Felix in the final in our stadium. This is what we celebrate these days. It's the kind of season we've had, but... What do you think? Can you see that being the final? Yeah, I mean, I, I really like Manchester City to get past Leon. I think Leon has the type of game that can give us a lot of trouble. Um, but I do like Manchester City in that one. And then the big game between Bayern and Barcelona. Yeah, who do you like in that? I give Barcelona no chance. None whatsoever. I, I tend to agree with you, although I, I have a hard time counting out Lionel Messi at any point. He has the ability, especially in a one game, to just take over. He also has the ability to absolutely disappear, which people forget to mention, which ha does happen also. <laughs> I, yeah, and when I he disappears, the rest of the team does not know what to do. I think it's going to be all about Bayern in that one. Bayern is just too strong. They have Serge uh, Gnabry, who's yeah. having a phenomenal year. Lewandowski is Lewandowski. They still have the likes of Kingsley Coman, Muller. They have plenty of attacking options. Alfonso Davies. Yep, he's been... Coming out of the MLS, what a right. fantastic talent. Best, best player to ever come out of MLS, in my opinion. At least out of the academy system of the MLS, in my opinion. Definitely. Yeah, he's been fit. On the other side of the bracket, Atletico. Um, Atletico got Atalanta there, too, through. right, on that side? Yeah, I mean, we, we talked Everybody's about Atalanta hoping. last week. <laughs> the Romantics are hoping for Atalanta to go all the way here. Yeah, once the dust kind of settled last week and I realized what I said, I was like, is Atalanta really going to get past PSG? <laughs> But either way, I do like Atletico to get to the final, and then I think that the Manchester City-Bayern Munich game is going to be an absolute slugfest. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's going to depend on the lineup. Do we actually put Bernardo Silva in? <laughs> the biggest, the biggest non-story with Manchester City is the fact that we lost Leroy Sané. Sané yeah. was the engine that made that team go. That threesome up top with Sané, Sterling, and Aguero, they were the reason why we won games. Uh -huh. Now you've taken out Sané. Aguero's not going to be there. So, yeah, Gabriel Jesus is perfectly fine. But who else is going to fill that role? Mm -hmm. It has to be Bernardo Silva. If it's not Bernardo Silva and it's Riyad Mahrez, we're doomed. 
If it's Phil Foden, maybe, just mm-hmm. maybe. But, I mean, he's just too young for the moment. You can't count on a 20-year-old in this moment. Especially against Bayern Munich. They're very experienced, and they do not uh, – they do not – Fear anybody. There's no match too big for Bayern Munich. They're like the ultra professionals. The the difference with them too is that their youth is experienced. Yeah. Like Joshua Kimmich, we forget because he's yeah. been around for so long. He's been long. around he, so 22, long. 22, 23? Maybe 22 in his fourth or fifth season on the first team. Yeah. I mean, he's been phenomenal. Gnabry, like we said, I yeah. think he's 24. Yeah. Uh, super young, super experienced though. Um, they have a ton of talent like that. And, and the young like, ones follow the veterans lead on that team for sure. Yeah, it's yeah. They've always had a really good blend, and the more and more I'm watching them, I'm saying, "Oh boy, oh boy, this might be their year." And lastly, this week, MLS is back. We're down to the final. I gave this tournament, you know, a lot of props last week, and I'm 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 enjoying it. I I've come out here and admitted this is the most enjoyment I've had watching MLS in a long time, especially at this time of the year in August. Usually, MLS you can catch. You can catch some good matches, but by the time you get to the playoffs, they're very tight matches where teams try to not lose versus trying to go to win. And you're not seeing that in this tournament. I think you're seeing teams trying to win. And so we got quite a David and Goliath kind of final. You've got a very established Portland Timbers side who are who in the last five years have been there at the end in the Western Conference every season. And now you've got Orlando City, who's technically playing at home or sort of playing at home. They're in their home region. They're not in their home stadium or anything like that. But they've they've made their way through the tournament. Nani is playing some of the best, you know, football he's played since coming to Major League Soccer. And a lot of people are on the Orlando City train right now. They've never won anything. Is this the year? Is this the occasion for, for Orlando City? I don't think so. I mean, Orlando, they, they've been really, really good. But I think at some point they're going to miss Tom Dwyer, who isn't yeah. expected to play in the final. Muller's been really, really good. Like you said, Donnie's been really, really good. Um, people really kind of overreacted to the LAFC win. Sure. Because, again, that's an LAFC team without Carlos Vela. And it's so in penalty I'm, kicks. It could have easily gone the other way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, in this one, I kind of like the experience. I like Portland Timbers. I still like Valeria. I still like who they have up top. I, I just think that they have too much to really handle for Orlando. Um, the game is a 50-50, though. It could yeah. really go either way. Yeah, it's a, like you said, it's a 50-50. I think, uh, you know, Giovanni Savarese is one of the top coaches in Major League Soccer. And he's already, you know, they were champions, what, two seasons ago? Not last season, but the season before. Right. Well, no, that was, they were final, beaten finalists two seasons ago. Excuse me. They lost to Atlanta in the final. Um, yes. They were champions <laughs> a season or two before that. So they're there at the end. There's, a final is nothing new for Portland Timbers. Right. And they've got some of the best players in the league on that roster. Right. I still think that the guy that doesn't get nearly enough credit as he deserves is Diego Belletti. Yeah, very good phenomenal. player. Yeah. So you're picking Portland? Yes. Yes. All right. Portland we'll, is my pick in this one. We will definitely check back in with that next week. We'll review it, and we'll definitely – we'll have the semifinals already set by this time next week in Europa League, and I believe Champions League quarterfinals will be taking place around this time next week. Sounds good. So, Leo, thank you, thank you for joining us again. We will catch you next week, but tell the listeners where they can find you. Always a pleasure, my friend. And yes, you can find us uh, DGens United. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, anywhere that you can find any of your podcast stuff. DGens United. Uh, we're doing picks and analysis on the podcast every single day. Uh, it's been a really busy slate. The last few days, we've had twelve picks, twelve picks, nine picks. Um, so a ton of action. We've actually done pretty well. 
If you want to check out our pick history, you can always go to our website, dgensunited.com. And all of our picks are listed daily. It's color-coded for you, so you can't possibly get confused. I list it in uh, order of what time they're going to start. So, again, dgensunited.com. And be sure to follow us on Twitter, dgens underscore united. I do a lot of tweeting about lineups, about um, live betting. You know, after a goal or something in hockey, I'll tweet out the live line. So, it's a decent follow, so I highly recommend it. All right. Thanks, Leo. We'll talk to you next week. Always a pleasure, Capitano. All right, later. Thank you to Leo Kukakis of DGensUnited.com and the DGens United podcast for joining us this and every Sunday for the Sunday Night Sportsbook. All right, coming up next, we go to Mexico to check in with Liga Emekis. And welcome back to the Park in the Bus podcast here on the PTB Soccer Podcast and Network. It is time to pull the bus up and park that bus in Mexico. That's right, Liga MX, another weekend full of matches. Let's go to the results first, and we'll start on Thursday, August the 6th, with Pachuca winning 1-0 at home to Quetaro. The same night, Cholos Tijuana with a respectable nil-nil draw at home to the very strong Tigres side. Friday night was a big match um, for the clubs from the region of Mexico City. It got kicked off with Necaxa playing at home to Club America. That match ended in a 1-1 result and goals in that match were scored. First from America. America got on the board first. Uh, Fe- Federico Vinas scores from Fernando Gonzalez in the sixth minute. But in the 52nd minute, Lucas Passerini uh, levels from the penalty spot for Nicaxa. Nicaxa hold on for the point and the draw to one of the favorites in the league, Club America. Later that night, it was Mezaltan FC in their home debut. Uh, their first match in their stadium, of course, this team was formerly known as Monarcas Morelia, moved from Morelia to uh, Mazatlan, and they played their first home match, and you could see uh, Univision and 2DNA did a great job. They did like the NBA style with, um, they filled the, the empty stands with little boxes showing the faces of, of all of the fans of both teams. Uh, there were fans wearing red shirts and purple shirts um, in their Zoom, you know, uh, watching the match through Zoom or whatever. And it was like they were looking in on the stadium. This is a cool little feature that has uh, that has evolved during this COVID outbreak with empty stadiums. It looked kind of cool. And Mezaltlan get the victory 2-1 to one over Toluca. We move to Saturday. And it was La Máquina Cruz Azul, the winners of the Copa Puerto Mexico keeping their momentum running. They're 2 nil winners at home to León. Monterrey draw 2-2 at home to Santos Laguna. And Chivas Guadalajara beaten finalists in that Copa por Mexico. Well, they're at home and they, they lose 0-1 to an upstart Puebla side. And then earlier today, Pumas Yunal at the Olympic Stadium, at the Universitario Olympic Stadium. 1-1, a draw to FC Juarez. Kicking off any moment now is Atletico San Luis at home to Atlas. Let's go to the table real quick and check in and see 
how this table is shaping up as we've discussed 12 of these 18 teams will advance to the next stage of the competition and it is america puebla cruz azul and pumas all at the top all on seven points america win the tiebreaker for now with goal difference and having a goal difference of five while puebla cruz azul and pumas fall in behind fifth place right now is tigres with five points and also on five points is FC Juarez in sixth. Monterrey and Santos Laguna have four, as do Pachuca, Leon, Mezaltan, uh, Cholos, Tijuana. Those round out the top 12. Those are the playoff spots right now. In 13th, it's Toluca with three. Atletico San Luis with one, but they are yet to play this round. Quetero, Chivas, and Nicaxa also with one. And at this stage, after three rounds, or they've only had two rounds, but after they play tonight, uh, they'll have compete, completed three rounds. And at this time, only Atlas are without a point. They are bottom of the table. And I took some time to watch the America versus, uh, versus Nicaxa match. And as I've stated before, I do have a partiality towards Club America. Uh, Miguel Herrera's side looking they're looking good since the start they didn't have the best they didn't have the best of luck in the Copa Puerto Mexico they were knocked out in the semifinals but they've started this this uh, apertura which this season the apertura is being called the Liga Emekis Guardianes which um, is in homage to the first responders um, the, the doctors the nurses the paramedics all of the first responders in Mexico that have helped and that have, um, you know, serviced the people in this coronavirus outbreak, which Mexico has not been immune from, obviously. Um, America have looked good, but they're not the only ones, okay? They're not the only ones looking good so far. As the table will show you, Puebla really get a, a nice upstart. Seven points from three matches for that club is a good start for them, and they're not a team that's usually there in the championship mix. Um, they're usually outsiders that, that either make or miss the playoffs, the Liguilla, as they call it in Mexico, by just a matter of points. Cruz Azul riding on the, the momentum, like I said, of the of the the triumph in the Copa por Mexico and Pumas also hanging with them. Tigres are right there. Tigres are per, I always say probably the most expensive squad in in North or S South America. Maybe Flamengo in Brazil is a more expensive squad right now and maybe River Plate as well. You remove Flamengo and River Plate and maybe Boca and and Atachic Mineiro or maybe a few other clubs in one of those two countries. I think that uh, the two clubs from the city of Monterrey, Tigres and Monterrey, are two of the most expensive rosters. They have invested a lot of money in their rosters. Um, of course, their star, Tigres, that is their star, is the Frenchman, uh, André-Pierre Gignac. And um, they're always in the championship mix, okay? They're always either, they seem to always be either in the final or winning the, the tournament, Um at the very least, they're one of the last four. FC Juarez is come out of nowhere a little bit. They, if I'm not mistaken, they used to be known as Chapas, and uh, now they're uh, Juarez Chapas, now known as FC Juarez. Monterrey have four points from three matches. Not the worst start. They're a team that's always there at the end as well. And if I'm not mistaken, they are the defending champions right now. 
It's hard to remember back to when the last uh, champion was crowned. It was last last Apertura, last December was the last time a champion was crowned in Mexico because the the Clausura season was not completed. It was called off, suspended indefinitely, and eventually canceled due to the coronavirus. Um, the news, the the recently relocated Mezaltan FC have got off to a good start. Cholos, Tijuana, they're tough. Some seasons they're at the top of the table. Some seasons they're not. Um, Chivas, Chivas are finding their way after a good run in the Copa por Mexico. They're finding their way back to where they have been, unfortunately, for the past two years or so, which is near the bottom of the table, which... I don't mind that one bit, given that I, I am an Americanista and that um, I don't really see eye to eye with some of Chivas's uh, core policies and core uh, ideology, if you want to call it that. I don't agree with their their no foreigner uh, stance. I think that's a very dangerous um, that's a very dangerous policy to have in 2020. And um, also, I think it's clearly limiting the the ability of the team to compete as they will only field a team of Mexican players. And uh, what really gets me is you don't just have to be Mexican. You have to renounce eligibility for any other national team. So Mexican-American players, if they want to play for Chivas, if they were born in the United States but of Mexican heritage and they're Chivas supporters, and they want to play, you know, they have a chance to play for Chivas. They have, they're have, they a good enough player. They have to first renounce their eligibility for the U.S. men's national team and, and pledge their allegiance to Mexican football, to the Mexican national team. Whether or not they have a realistic ch- shot of ever playing for Mexico, I think that's a that's just a, a idiotic and outdated philosophy in club management in my opinion i also don't agree with the basque clubs in spain having you know basque only only rosters for example athletic bilbao huge club great following okay they still managed to be there at cup finals and they managed to compete but I have a hard time believing they'll ever win a Spanish La Liga title with that policy. And perhaps that doesn't matter to them. It's more important to them to have an all-Basque uh, side than it is to have a La Liga title. But for me, that is just not the way to run a football club, especially in 2020. But you're just you're handicapping yourself. You know, you're handicapping yourself and you're hurting your own ability to compete and then in the long run, I think the most diehard of fans will stick with you. But the casual fans are going to stray to the bigger clubs. In, in Mexico's case, they're going to stray to America Cruz Azul. Uh, and, well, perhaps not with Chivas because they hate America. But but still, they, I mean, they really are limiting themselves and they're limiting their comp- competitive abilities. I really do not agree with that with that policy. And therefore, I do not support Chivas in any way. Also, I happen to... To prefer their arch rivals, um, and it's been it's been now this is now the fourth tournament in a row since Chivas were champions, and they're really struggling because they just can't compete for top Mexican players, and therefore they can't compete for top talent. Let's take a look quickly at the scorers in Mexico before we move on. And there's a whole slew of goal scorers, 11 of them with two goals. I'll read their names real quick. And it is Alex Canelo of Toluca, Andre Pierre Gignac of, of uh, Tigres, like I said, Federico Viñas of America, 
Fernando Aristigueta is there as well as is Fernando Goriaran of Santos Laguna, Herman Berterame of of Atletico San uh, San Luis has got two Henry Henry Martin of America also two Juan Ignacio Deneno, Michael Estrada, Rogelio Funis Mori. Any Benfica supporters will remember that name. Um, as well as Santiago Ormeño, all with two goals, and then a whole, whole slew, another 20 or so with one goal. So for this week, we will just key in on the 11 that have two goals. All right, that is our stop in Mexico for this week. All right, and before we go to another break, let's check in in Scotland because the Scottish Premiership is underway. Yes, Scotland is already in the 2020-2021 season as we speak. They got kicked off a week ago, Saturday, August the 1st. Two rounds already completed. Let's go through the results really quickly. On on day one, August the 1st, last Saturday, Aberdeen at home drops a 0-1 decision to Rangers, one of the perennial contenders, of course. Dundee United 1, St. Johnstone 1, Hibernian 2, Kilmarnock 1, St. Mirren 1, Livingston 0. And then last Sunday, you had Celtic at home 5, Hamilton Academical 1. On Monday, Ross County 1, Motherwell 1. That closed out round 1 in round 2. Yesterday, you had Hamilton Academical at home, nil to Ross County, one, Livingston, one, Hibernian, four, Motherwell, nil, Dundee United, one, and then today, Rangers at Ibrox, three, St. Marin, nil, and Kilmarnock with a shock result to start the, the season, Kilmarnock, one, Celtic, one. Let's go to the table quickly. And you have Hibbs, Hibernian, top of the table right now with six points from these two rounds. They have a plus four goal difference, six goals scored. Right behind them is Rangers also on six points, but they've only got four goals scored. Ross County is third on six points, uh, two goals scored. And then you have th- two teams with four points. That's Celtic and Dundee United in fourth and fifth respectively with St. St. Mirren 6th on 3 points. And then from there, 7th place is St. Johnston 1 point, Kilmarnock 1 point in 8th, Aberdeen 0, Motherwell 0, Livingston 0, and Hamilton Academical 0 with the worst goal difference so far of a negative 5 goal difference. When we come back, we are going to Brazil for round 1 of the Brasileiro here on the PTB Podcast Network. This is your flagship show, the Park in the Bus Podcast. Welcome back to the Park in the Bus Soccer podcast here on the PTB Podcast Network. We are going now to Brazil. That's right. We are in Brazil. It is the start of the 2020 Brasileiro round one. Finally, after so much wait, so many months, we finally have the start of one of my favorite leagues. Um, it is the Brasileiro, of course, and the You've got the defend. The, you've got some big teams in this competition. Of course, the defending champions and c- defending Copa Libertadores champions Flamengo are here. 
you've got Santos, you've got Atlético Mineiro, you've got Fluminense, you've got Vasco da Gama Corinthians. There's so many big clubs in this league. And also, this league is very, very competitive. And the difference between first and sometimes sixth can be a matter of a couple of points. But definitely, the difference in talent from the top to the bottom, it's a, sl- it's a smaller gap than in most places. Although this year, Flamengo have really built a strong squad. Well, it's a strong squad they had last season. And they've retained almost all of it, Okay, losing only... Losing only Renier, who went to Real Madrid in the offseason, um, and Pablo Mari, who went to Arsenal. So, uh, Flamengo return a strong squad, but they have lost the mister. They've lost Jorge Jesus, and anyone who follows me and my work knows that <laughs> that I know all about the Mr. George Zouge. Of course, I had a podcast named after him, Jota Jota Curioca, which I would cover Flamengo in Portuguese last season um, and earlier this season in the state championships and in their their uh, early Copa Libertadores and Recopa Sudamericana matches. Um, you know that I was covering that uh, in Portuguese, but now that that Jota Jota JJ has returned to my Benfica. He's returned to Portugal and to my Benfica. I do admit this was a twist of my heart a little bit because because I really liked the work he was doing at Flamengo and I thought that was the right match. Jorge Jesus, JJ and Flamengo were the right match. Unfortunately though, um unfortunately for Flamengo, maybe fortunately for Benfica, that remains to be seen. He has returned to the club where he was three time champion in Portugal. And let's take a look at at uh Flamengo. They have replaced him, of course. And With a Spaniard, Dominic Torrent, former assistant for Pep Guardiola at Barcelona and former manager of New York City FC in Major League Soccer. He replaces uh, JJ at Flamengo. The Flamengo supporters are very happy with this appointment, even though some of them are very unhappy with the Portuguese manager's decision to leave. And we're going to start with Flamengo in round one of the Brasileiro. And they had a huge matchup, a battle of titans, if you will, right in round one. It's Flamengo versus Atlético Mineiro at the empty Maracanã Stadium. And it's a battle of big-time foreign managers. Again, Dominic Torrent representing Flamengo and his his opposite for Atletico Mineiro is the Argentinian Jorge Sampaoli, another big money manager who came to Brazil last season, former manager of the Argentinian national team. And it would be a little bit of a surprise result to start the season. It is Flamengo nil, Atletico Mineiro won at the Maracanã earlier today. That kicks off round one, and it is a surprising result as the defending champions fall in the first match. Of course, this is Brazil. This is not some of the European countries. You certainly are not eliminated with one loss, okay? Um, Again, it, it takes a fewer number of points to win the title in Brazil because the field is much more balanced. Um, It's a much more even balanced league worth Anybody being able to beat anybody. And big teams do get relegated, as was the case last season with one of the bigger 
teams, one of the more supported teams in Brazil, Cruzeiro being relegated to Serie B. So let's run through the results. As we said, it was Flamengo nil, Atlético Mineiro one own goal from Felipe Luiz. Very unfortunate start of the season for the Nassau. But uh, yesterday you had Fortaleza at home, nil. Atlético Paranaense, two. Coritiba, nil. Internacional of Porto Alegre, Inter Porto Alegre, one. Sport Recife, three. Sierra, two. Two matches postponed today. Botafogo at home to Bahia, postponed. Corinthians at home to Atlético Goiás. Also postponed, as was Goiás versus São Paulo, actually postponed. But you did have Santos won, Red Bull Bragantino won. And in the south, in um, in Porto Alegre, you had Grêmio of Porto Alegre won, Fluminense nil. And then another, uh, another postponed match between Palmeiras and Vasco da Gama. Palmeiras, another big club. They were champion two years ago, and they were in the fight for the title towards the end last season. The next round kicks off on Wednesday, and right now none of these matches have been postponed. So we have Atlético Paranaense at home to Goiás, Atlético Mineiro at home to Corinthians, Atlético Goiás at home to Flamengo, Bahia at home to Coritiba, Red Bull Bragantino newly promoted side. Uh, they are... At home to Botafogo, Sierra at home to Grêmio, and Fluminense home to Palmeiras. Thursday, São Paulo host Fortaleza. Internacional will host Santos, and Vasco da Gama host Sport Recife. And that is round two. So again, the table we have five teams with victories, so they are obviously at the top. Atlético. Paranaense, Sport Recife, Atlético Mineiro, Grêmio and Internacional are the top five. Bragantino, Santos, sixth and seventh with one point. Everybody else with no points either by defeat or by not playing. So this is a league that we will be watching closely and a league we'll be reporting on week after week. The season normally fits in the calendar year. Normally, the Brasileirão ends at the be- at the end of November, beginning of December. This year, it has been announced, and this league will run until February. So, this league, w- this season, thirty-eight matches will be complete in February. So, before we leave for this week, all right, we're gonna make one more stop, and that is down under. We're staying in the southern hemisphere, but we're going to. Australia as the Hyundai A-League is nearing its conclusion for its regular phase. They're getting ready for their championship series, which is what they call their playoffs. Um, Some teams with 24 matches played, others with as many as 26. But here is the table right now. Sydney FC are top, and they have clinched the top position. They will be the number one seed in the championship series. Sydney FC, 52 points from 24 matches. Second place is Melbourne City. They have 43 points. Third is Wellington Phoenix on 41 points. Brisbane Roar, fourth on 39 points. Those four teams have already clinched their place in the championship series. And now chasing the final two elimination spots, you have Perth Glory on 37 points in fifth. And Adelaide United are 6th on 35 points. 2 ahead of Western United, 
who are 7th with 33. Newcastle Jets 8th with 31 points. West Sydney Wanderers have 30 points there, 9th. Melbourne victory in a very disappointing 10th place for the normally uh, strong side, normally strong club. They have only got 23 points in last place. Is the Central Coast Mariners on 18 points. 27 matches for each team in Australia. Before we kick off the championship series, which will start with the elimination finals, is what they call the first two uh, matches. It'll be the third place team versus the sixth place team and the fourth place versus the fifth. So one match in Australia. The playoffs are one match. The elimination finals will take place between the 22nd and 23rd of August. And only three days later, the league semifinals will be played. Of course, Sydney FC as the number one team have already qualified for the league semifinals. And they will take on the lowest ranked elimination final winner. So it's much like the NFL here in the United States where there's a wild card round and the lowest seed remaining takes on the top seed. And the second seed, whoever that will be, will play in the other semifinal with the A-League Grand Final scheduled for August the 30th, 2020. And of course... There will be in-depth coverage of that here on the PTB Podcast Network and the P in the Park in the Bus Podcast. This has been episode seven for everybody. I hope y'all enjoyed this episode. It is your Sunday night one-stop shop for talking football. We talk about what nobody else is talking about. All right, there's a million and one podcasts covering the English Premier League covering transfer news. I try to bring you stuff nobody else is talking about. There are fans of clubs that are often ignored, and I'm trying to cater to all of you here on the Park in the Bus podcast. So signing off for another week, this is the Mr. Mike Agustinu. Stay tuned to the channel, to the feed, okay? Coming up in the next day or so, we've got a Champions League review show. I'll break down the round of 16 matches that were played in the last couple of days and get you ready for the quarterfinals of the Champions League, a different Champions League this year, no doubt. If you haven't yet, check out the Europa League review show and also a new podcast launching this week. That's right, a new one this week. As you heard me say, I covered Flamengo last year in Portuguese with Jota Jota Carioca. Well, the spinoff is in English. Yep, it is Flamingo Nation, and it will drop this week here on the Park in the Bus podcast network, the PTB Soccer Network, part of PTB Media. You will hear Flamingo Nation. Keep your eyes out for it. English language coverage of Flamengo and their journey to to defend their Brasileirão and their Copa Libertadores titles here in 2020. All right, that's it. This is the Mr. Again. Follow the PTB Network on Twitter at Soccer PTV, and I will catch you next time with the Champions League review and eventually with Flamingo Nation. But if you're just a parking the bus kind of person, don't worry. We'll be back again next Sunday, 8 o'clock Eastern Time, and going out to the entire world here on the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast. Have a great week, everybody, and enjoy the games. And I hope you you open up a nice cold one and enjoy some of these Europa League and Champions League matches as well that are coming your way this week. <laughs> <laughs>